So congratulations on a new record, which just came out what on the ninth. So uh, what has that experience been like for you to kind of start up the the whole Youth Lagoon thing again and putting out the record and you know going through all the talking about it and stuff? Well, it's bizarre how unrecognizable it is because of who I am as a person now and and what I've been able to, um, yeah, just what I'm able to bring to the table in in these new ways that I wouldn't have been able to have not killed it off. That uh-huh. that was that was the most interesting thing about. Um, I killed off the moniker in, I either the end of 2015 or early 2016, right? Because I. I couldn't identify with it anymore. It had turned into this thing that I, I just couldn't really latch onto and sink my teeth into. Uh, and, and a lot of that had to do with these, these frustrations and, and kind of just getting bored with people expecting it to be this, this certain thing, which I never identified with to begin with. Uh-huh. And when, when I, when I had burned that house down and, 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 you know, left the moniker behind, and started making music under my own name. It felt so, I mean, it was, it was completely necessary and it felt like going to college in a sense where I could, I could succeed and fail and, and go to these new, these new places in my, in my mind, relatively risk-free and, and not many eyes on me and and all that. And, And I had never expected to go, you know, I don't, I don't even see it as, going back to youth lagoon i see it as a reclamation i see it as a as taking something that was declared dead and resurrecting it and combining it with these with these uh brand new ideas and 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 philosophies and being able to fit on its head and and turn it into this playground that it it never was before there's this sense of there's a sense of familiarity to it and history to it, but that that history has given me the ability to to add even more more dimension to it and and be able to to mold it into this new thing. Right, right. So obviously, when you when you put Youth Lagoon to bed the first time around, you had probably no intention of ever coming back to it, uh, and then no. now here we are. So was there an event, uh, uh, something that? Uh, made you realize suddenly this is all happening or was it a more gradual thing? It was gradual, but there there was also, there, there was an event, I would say many events, but one main event that had, that had woken me up to this uh, a little bit was I had, I had this reaction to an over-the-counter medication that had turned my digestive system upside down right. and created this domino effect inside of me where you think about every single system that's that's obviously connected to the digestive system all these things it was this it was this uh chain of events that had happened that created this complete and utter loss of control in my body where i had seen multiple specialists um so many tests done no one could figure out what the fuck was going on right so it it became this this scenario where for about four four months or so five months I was I was flailing and I was panicked and I was you know obviously had no answers and then there was this because I was I was pushed off this cliff in the sense of I I either had I felt like I had I had one of two options one was kill myself which I uh, to be honest with you I came really close to doing and oh, the man. second because I didn't want the first option right. was to be able to really learn what is happening 
inside of me, not my flesh and bone, but in my spirit. And to be able to, to, to work with that and get to know that spirit and figure out how the fuck to move forward. And when I did that, that's when things started changing within, uh-huh. within that too, became this whole idea of I've for years, I, I struggled with this sense of, of self-love and self-acceptance um and a huge part of that had to do with with i would i would compartmentalize these parts of my brain of youth lagoon fell into that category of this is something that's old this is something that's discarded i outgrew this thing therefore it stays in the past right um and the more that i had really started learning how to love myself and learning how to speak in these new ways the more that i i realized that taking something that was discarded be it into the into the present and into the future was so much more there was so much more truth there because it represented the the image of what life really is which is nothing is compartmentalized absolutely nothing is in a box um there's there's no these these lines in the sand that we draw as human beings are all fictitious um and and being able to to play with that and do something that that's honest and pure um, was really, yeah, it was, it's, it's, it changed, it changed my life and it changed my, my songwriting and, and the way I approach um, expression uh, in a way that I didn't think was possible. Right. Right. Man, I must've been terrifying going through that. Yeah. It was awful. It was so awful. It's weird, even like when I had first started doing interviews for this album, I was horrified on how I would even talk about it because there was there was this PTSD attached to it. And when I would start talking, I would come I would I would go back to my house, say if I had an interview and I was on the phone at the park, I would come come back to my house and I would be sweaty and I would I would be panicked. My heart would be racing because it was like I was reliving these experiences. And so I, I realized I can't, I can't just, I was debating how much of this stuff do I talk about and how much do I, do I not? And I, and I, and I figured I can't, I can't choose to not talk about things that's dishonest, but what I can do is actually use this, use this in a way uh, as a new form of therapy. And the more that I've talked about it, the more all those feelings have gone away, you know, it just completely disappears. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. But it's also, it's also, it's, it's easy for, um, with some grandiose story like this for people to get caught up in, in this narrative and thinking that the album is about this experience and it, and it really isn't at all besides a few lines. What it did though, is it woke me up. It made me, it made me present. I was numb and it, and it did this thing where it, it just, it took me into the present moment in a way that nothing else ever has. Right. So getting to the record, my understanding is that you kind of considered the track, The Sling, as, as kind of the album's core or centerpiece. Uh, why mm-hmm. is that? Well, it was, one, it was one of the first songs written that helped the album have an identity. And, and, I, and it, from that point on, I knew, I knew more so where to take the spirit of the album. Uh-huh. I had other songs before that. Like Mercury, there I have an early form of Mercury that existed about four years ago that right. I couldn't quite crack the I couldn't crack the code on, but it was there as a shell. 
Um, a couple other songs were like that. Helicopter Toy was like that. Um, but when I wrote The Sling, that was one of the first ones front to back that it, it, I, it was like I, I found this new territory, this thing that was completely unexplored. And when, especially when I had written down the line, heaven is a junkyard and it's my home, that there was so much, there was so much truth in that line. And I couldn't even tell you what the truth was. That's, that's one thing that I love so much about, about language and words. When you put things together, sometimes even being the person stringing them together, you don't know what it is about that line that's so compelling but but i but you know like when i wrote it down i became so so possessed by this thing of why does this why does this ring true so much and every day it felt like the answer was something different gotcha yeah so i noticed that you've uh, done a video for the sling and a couple of other tracks prize fighter and idaho alien um and you have a guy named tyler t williams uh, kind of directing these things so yeah what is your process working with him as far as visualizing these songs? Well, Ty's my best friend. And so really it's just us having fun. It's, oh, it's <laughs> uh, so much of it is started off. You know, we start out these ideas with, with zero agenda. We just have these, we, we love a lot of the, we're both really, really into movies. Uh-huh. Um, and we have a lot of the same inspirations and filmmakers that we love. So usually they would start off by us watching movies and then we talk about certain symbols or or um, objects like with Idaho Alien, it was just the truck. We were like, we we need a truck, but we had no idea what we were going to do with the truck when we got it. Right. Um, so my mom, who's in the road, she's in the rodeo community. Oh, cool. In Idaho. <laughs> yeah, she actually just wrote in her last she wrote in her last rodeo uh, about uh, a month and a half ago. Right. Which was a really sad, but, but moving right, uh, right. day, but she, yeah, she's got all these friends with trucks and horses and all this stuff. And so using, using people like her as, has these resources where she would, you know, like with Idaho alien, she posted on Facebook saying my son, my son's, my son's making a music video and uh, he's wondering if, if anyone has a truck he can borrow that kind of stuff. So me and Ty got the truck but we had no idea what we were going to do with the truck. And we ended up finding, we drove out to this area called Swan Falls Dam, uh-huh. which is a little bit past Cuna, Idaho, a small town and found some telephone poles. And the, like the whole thing has just been this, this uh, falling in love with the present moment and, and falling in love, really falling in love with, with my best friend. Uh, because without Ty, I don't think this album uh, would have, the identity that it has gotcha yeah and, and when you mention films and uh idaho i keep thinking of my own private idaho or your <laughs> so mm-hmm. what are your what if you don't mind uh, just throw out a couple of filmmakers or films that are that are profound for you well uh, my favorite would be andre tarkovsky uh his oh. film stalker stalker is my favorite film uh-huh. of all time right um have you seen it i haven't seen that i've seen a bunch of tarkovsky but i haven't seen that one Okay, yeah, Stalker. You should definitely watch Stalker. There's, there's, uh, in my opinion, it's the greatest sci-fi film ever made. Not because of what he shows, but because of what he doesn't. Right. Gotcha. And and so much of so much of it is left to the power of the imagination. Uh, That's uh, all I'll say. Is there's okay, just, right. there's just a lot, a lot of forces at play with the way he uses 
uh, naturalistic settings and, and, and your imagination. So that would be number one. Um, I love Sofia Coppola. I love vendors, um, Jim Jarmusch, um, (laughs) Spike Lee. Yeah. There's just, there's just so many people that I'll, I'll fall in love with their, with their movies. And every time I watch some of these films, sometimes I'll watch them over and over I'll, I'll immediately feel compelled to go work on music. It'll, gotcha. it'll, yep. if I ever get, if I ever get stuck, I watch movies. That's what I do. So when you're writing songs, do you kind of visualize the songs in your head? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I always create my own. I'm, I'm playing out my own movies in my head. And then when it comes to, to music videos, they never take that form. Cause my whole thing is like, like with Ty, um, I, I love Ty and I trust Ty so much that the, I always tell him whatever he sees, whatever he's excited about, whatever that spark is, let's do that thing. Cause that's right. always going to be the most exciting. So I see music as I'll, I'll finish this part of it. That's me then handing off the baton to someone that they, I, I, I try to let them do exactly what they do best. And then I'll give my input. So uh-huh. it'll be this ping pong back and forth, but but really it's handing off the baton to someone that uh yeah like with Ty there's just so there's so much ultimate trust that I I could even not be involved and I could just say here's this song make a video for it even though that's not how our process works I could do that and gotcha. be be nothing but excited about the end result right. now my understanding is the the album was recorded over kind of a 6 week period and you have a co-producer whose name I uh, probably mangle so uh, if you can uh, Mr. McDonald, Roddy, Roddy, yeah, Roddy McDonald, <laughs> Roddy McDonald. So how, yeah. just give me a, a feel what the vibe was like in making a record over the six weeks. How did it feel to you? Well, it felt so, um, I, I had been, so I, I made all the demos at home first off and the, de- the demos, I probably wrote 95% of the album within the span of, uh, I would say about eight months. Uh-huh. Um, eight, eight to 12 months. Um, and then when all the demos were done, I had, I had put together a list of people, um, you know, to, to hit up and see if we, if we would work out together and what our, what our vibe was. And Roddy was at the top of the list. He was number one. And so I had, we, my, my manager had gotten his contact info, set up a meeting. Um, right. what, what, what was it about him that made him number one? I mean, his work, his work speaks for, speaks for itself. So he, he's, he's got not only, not only, uh, uh, you know, I've heard so many pristine things about his reputation as a person. Um, and then on top of that, his work, that, that's what really, you know, like I'll, I'll listen to something like, and, and how vast his catalog is too, you know, his, his work with Adele, which is, right <laughs> which is you know out of out of this fucking world and then and then his work with people like like Sampha um people like Jamie XX yep. um just just so many it's so broad it's not like he's going into it with this specific style he's really i could tell he's he's staying in tune with what an idea is and then how how to make that come alive and that's exactly how our process our process was cuz our chemistry our chemistry from day one was was so incredible that we actually we actually did about 
uh, 98% of the tracking for the sling the very first day. Oh, the, the only, the only 2% was we had to add on, um, a couple vocal things. And then we had, um, there was some, some string arrangements we put in and all that, but yeah, the majority of it was done the very first day. So after that first day of tracking, we both knew that there was something a lot deeper there. Right. Oh, cool. Now I, I see, I think you're, you're out performing again for the first time in a long time. So what is it like to bring these uh, songs in, to be in person in the same room with people listening to them and hearing them, hearing you perform them? It's going to be a trip. I, the only songs that I've performed so far have been stripped down. I did, right. I did a couple songs um, two weeks ago um, with, I put together a live band. And so we did some songs uh, in a record store in Amoeba yeah. in LA. Yeah. And then I did some songs just by myself at a piano at the, at the local record store here in Boise. Uh-huh. And then the first proper show is going to be in about three weeks. So, so to be able to present things in a way that, um, yeah, like there's some songs are, they stay really true to the material. Other songs veer from it in a way that I think is still respecting what the song is but yeah i can't wait i'm so excited <laughs> it's got to be so it's got to be quite a i mean a journey so to speak from you know taking off and giving up the the name and reclaiming it and going through this whole process and working with new people and having all the other uh you know the stuff with your health in the middle of it um do you feel like a different person than yeah you? yeah i mean it, it must have done a lot to you yeah, I'm so I'm so different. Um, <laughs> even to yeah, even to the point where I, it's it's crazy though how much I can still stand behind the older material. I could play uh-huh. I could play songs from the Year of Hibernation, and I and I think it holds up like I wrote it yesterday, which I'm really proud of. Um, but then then who I am as a uh, as a songwriter now, and beyond that, who I am as a person now is yeah, just the I've never felt so much inspiration and and uh, seen and so many so many different paths that I can take um, art before and and that's really just come down to to being aware of the present moment and getting to know myself and and um, yeah falling with falling in love with new things too that's been that's been the the biggest cheat code for me is there's a lot of people that I know that it's easy it's easy to become stagnant because they're listening to the same music, they're watching the same movies, they're having the same conversations and in that is death. There's nothing there. Right. Um, but if if you're stretching yourself and you're you're making yourself feel uncomfortable and you're you're putting yourself in front of of things and people and and places that that necessarily choose to initially there can be these new sparks that happen and and yeah it just teaches it, it's been teaching me so much um in such a natural way on how to how to evolve without without trying you know i just i'm just trying to be as light as possible so that the wind can carry me and uh-huh. if i can do that i think i i think i did a good job <laughs> 